welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I am joined by Jen McGuire, freelance writer and author. Welcome to the Divorce Club. Thank you. How does that feel when I tell you you're divorced? Oh, it feels good. Really good. I feel grateful, relieved, and like myself. Well, what a lovely place to start. I feel like that's the end of the podcast. Done. (laughs) Done. Well, that's lovely. I, I think... So many people starting their divorce journey will dream of thinking those things when they hear the word divorced. So that's lovely to hear. So how far along are you in your divorce journey? God, how old am I? 48, 18 years. I've been divorced since I was 30. And uh, and I do get it because certainly in the beginning, I had I never thought... I'd be okay again. And I thought I'd be, you know, I left my husband with four little boys. Uh, They were two, three, seven, and nine. And we packed up our minivan and I was supposed to turn right to go home. And I turned left and left, left town. It was, it was quite dramatic. It was, I was, I'm always really going for that cinematic moment, even in the most depressing way. So that's, uh, I guess that's what I did. And it was difficult, but I have to say, 18 years later, it's just part of my vernacular. It's just, uh, I'm so grateful every day that I actually did that because I would be in a very different place. Take us back to 18 years ago, because you said you've got the four children, um, all fairly young, you know, not not hitting teenagers yet. Um, where are you in the world? What's what's going on when you pack up that camper van? Okay. 
Oh, you're very generous. It was a minivan. I don't know in Ontario. Oh, sorry. You know, it's just one of those like the, the kids were just in the back of the car and we had some diapers and some mini wipes in the car. It was it was quite a quite something. But back then, I, you know, I just was with somebody who made me feel like the worst version of myself. And I just had this moment where I sort of looked at my kids and I thought my whole life, if I stay, is going to be about this relationship. And, you know, it's never going to be about me or about the kids. And, you know, I wanted it to be about the kids, but I also really wanted it to be about me a little bit. So I just, nothing, there wasn't really a specific thing. I think it was just a bad morning. I dropped him off at work and I left. And I just, I don't know, I guess everybody just has their breaking point. And I wish, I wish I could remember my specific one, but I just, you know what? I just remember sitting in the car and I had my right blinker on to go home. I was in Ontario, which is where I'm from, in Barrie, Ontario, which is just like a sort of a suburby kind of town. And uh, I just couldn't turn right. I, I couldn't make myself turn right. And my nine-year-old went, mom, because someone was behind me. And then I turned left and it is so ridiculous to make a massive life decision like that, but it actually turned out well uh, for me and for the kids, but it took a long time. Wow. That is such a, like you said, cinematic moment of like, I can hear the ticking of the indicator and then all of a sudden you just, you know, go left how did that pan out? So you had the children in the car, you went left. Where did you go after that? So I went left to the highway. And also, can I tell you, I even remember the song playing. Do you remember that song by Pink, Just Like a Phil? Yes. Yeah, that was playing in the car. And so left was the highway. And I took it to go to I have an aunt who's very close in age to me and we were quite close. She had little children as well. And she lived in my hometown and I drove to my hometown and I just sort of played that pink CD on repeat. You know, I'm a big fan of um, anthems, uh, you know, to kind of keep you going, that kind of thing. And the kids were, had no clue what was going on, of course. And I drove up and I found a little house to rent that weekend and uh, went back and told my husband and within a month we were moved. Wow. So the pink song, Just Like a Pill, goes, you're just like a pill right. instead of making me better, exactly. making me ill. Yes, exactly. And the beginning is I could run just as fast as I can to the middle of nowhere. And I just kept listening to the point where the poor kids with their McDonald's French fries in the car were like, okay, you know. We get it. You're sad. <laughs> Let's maybe change the song. Please, can we listen to a different artist? Yes, exactly. Now? Exactly. It's funny that songs hold those memories for you. When I was breaking up with my ex, I got really into one song by Katy Perry. I'm trying to remember the name of it now. It's not I Kissed a Girl for anyone. <laughs> that would be fine. Yeah. It's called Never Really Over by Katy Perry. And it and it wasn't for me about my marriage like I wanted us to get back together. But it was it was that we'd finished it, but it was still this breakup was still such a huge part of my life. 
And and there was something about that song when I was in like my angry stage of like, why can't I just get divorced and moved on, move on? Singing just because it's over doesn't mean it's really over. Yeah. Loudly in my bedroom, like after I got out of the shower with wet hair, just was oh, really powerful. It was a bit of a yeah, powerful phase. So I think songs have a lot of power, don't they? Wow. I feel like we should like tweet pink. We should. You know, I really sat in that car and was like a not unwell but I just a very focused person in the car and you know if you've for anybody who's listening who's ever had four kids in the car to actually be able to sort of escape into your own headspace is a miracle it it does not happen and I was able to just sort of be in my own self who I was for a brief minute who I was before the kids and before my husband because I was only 21 when I had my first child so I was a kid when I had kids and I just sort of reconnected to this person I was and what I wanted and whatever that meant through that song. It's so ridiculous, but it's still to this day. If I hear that song, I get a little choked up, but I also feel a little like, "Hmm, you know, I did it. And it's, uh, it's good. I hope everybody it's, it might seem like a silly thing, but I hope everybody can kind of find that. It makes it makes a huge difference to just have this thing that sort of connects you, even if it's painful, you know. Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? And sometimes you just need pink singing at you. You can run as fast as you can to tip you over the edge. And it's really interesting. I've I've got some messages from people who've listened to the podcast, and by listening, that's helped them make the decision to you know leave or break up and. Yeah, it's a powerful thing. It really is. I actually recently wrote an essay uh, about leaving my husband. It's a chapter excerpt uh, from for the upcoming book. And I had a couple of messages from women who said the same thing. Is my, you know, when I left, I didn't leave because he was cheating or because he was physically hurting me. I left because I was unhappy. And I think sometimes people who want to leave a relationship don't feel like that's good enough. And I had a couple of messages from women who said, you know, this feels like it was sort of, you know, Providence that it, it, I read this at the right time. And and it's sort of, and, it, and again, it's hard to leave during a pandemic too, right? I mean, I can't even, I can't even imagine um, how people are coping if they're trying to leave a relationship right now. I mean, I, I, from what I understand, you sort of made the decision last year, correct? Yeah. So I've been going through the divorce procedure during the pandemic but we'd split up before the pandemic okay yeah but I um I've spoken to some people on the podcast who split up during the pandemic and yeah I can't I, I, I mean my pandemic life has been all over the place anyway so with that on top it's yeah it's a lot that people are going through so you rented this new house and within a month you were moved in and then how was that time afterwards? Did you have friends around you? How did you cope with suddenly being on your own with your children? I lost all my friends. You know, I mean, our, our friends, I think, at the time were sort of couple friends. You know, we shared our friends. And I knew I didn't want to be part of that um, decision-making process. You know, like, who gets the friends? Who gets this couple? Who gets that couple? So that was also another thing for me leaving because I thought, I just, 
I don't think I can cope. I, again, I was, I was 30 and I was, I was, I just wanted to run. Like I just wanted to go. So I actually did lose touch with the few friends I had at that point. And then when I went and actually I left the town where my mom lived, who sometimes helped me with childcare. So that was another good decision. Um, you know, that was, that was genius on my part. It's, it's good that I don't make these massive life decisions in a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> but my aunt did have a daycare, so that was, that was helpful. Um, but I just sort of went and made new friends. And I spent a lot of time, a lot of time alone uh, in those. In fact, I think probably some of the saddest times in that first couple of years were when the kids would go away for the weekend. So they went every second weekend. And that sounds like a dream, I'm sure, to most people with little kids. But it's, I, I you know, it's, it's shocking how utterly pointless you can sometimes feel, um, you know, when you think, well, I, if I don't get up today, no one's really going to notice. And it, that was, that, those were dark days, you know, on those weekends, but I'm sure, uh, but you know, eventually I made friends and, and things were better, but even then I found most of my friends were the school moms, you know, that you'd meet in the schoolyard and they were in couples. And weekends were sort of for the couple friends. So even then, even then, I didn't really make it to, you know, the major leagues of friendship, the weekends, for many years. So I spent a lot of time just watching movies and ordering single-serve lasagnas from uh, the Pizza Hut and, uh, you know, coping. It sounds like, Obviously, that was a very hard time for you. And, and a lot of the time I ask on the podcast, do you remember your worst moment? And do, do you? And was it from that time? It was actually, I can remember exactly. I was 33. So it was three years after. And I think that for the first two years, I really believed I was moving towards something. So one of the big things with me that I think a lot of people don't talk about, I left with no money. You know, and that makes a huge difference. It actually, in some ways, when neither one of you have money, it makes it, from what I've seen, sometimes just a touch easier because zero minus zero is zero. So it's, so you're not, but it, at the same time, I was constantly struggling financially. And, you know, that was a huge part of it for me in the first couple of years. But I kept thinking, okay, it's, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. I'll just keep working and, and then around year three, I thought, I don't know, it's never going to get better. And I had a weekend where I did exactly what I just said. I just sort of stopped. I just gave up. And I just didn't get out of bed and, you know, just did nothing for 72 hours, and which seems maybe not so long in the grand scheme of things, but it, it felt kind of scary at the time. And I was, I reached out uh, after a few days and, you know, to, to a family member just to say, you know, I think I might be having a nervous breakdown and truly nothing happened. Like I just, she said, okay, well, let's go out for some Chinese and, you know. What a reaction. Okay. Let's get a takeaway. Let's get some food. And uh, that's what we did. We watched Bring It On at her house and uh we don't really talk about 
that stuff in my family. That's not really a natural, uh, you know, we're very stiff up. I wouldn't say stiff upper lip. That's not fair. We're very emotional. We love solving. It's our favorite pastime. We love telling stories to make each other cry in restaurants. We're very emotional. Unless it's something like that, that feels very real. It's more sort of like movie crying. You know, it's it's a different thing. So when things get really intense like that, avoidance seems to be the, the order of the day. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned before we started recording that you come from an Irish Catholic family, and so do I. And And I think definitely in my family, there's a, you know, yes, we cry at funerals, and we are emotionally open and we hug each other. But sometimes the really scary things are too scary to talk about. So I can definitely relate to that kind of vibe growing up. But I I mean, I laughed at your friend saying, let's go get a Chinese. But actually, sometimes you just need to do something normal with someone. And just, yes, yeah, sit with someone and bring it on. Strange choice of movie, but sure. Sure, sure. I love, it. love it. You know, sometimes you do just need to just sit with someone and do something else. Like you don't have yeah. to talk. And sometimes. actually, that did sort of teach me moving forward, like after that point, that I really did just need to say to people sometimes when I felt lonely, um, you know, you have to invite me over to watch a movie. I remember calling a friend once and it was, you know, that the the day I love now the most, but when the boys were growing up, it was Boxing Day. It was always very, it's already kind of a sad day. And, you know, because Christmas is over or whatever, and the kids left and were gone to their dads. And then I had to sort of deal with being alone with a house full of leftovers and, a, you know, an entire trifle that I don't want to talk about. That was, was a lot. It's a lot of eating. And I just was so, I felt so forgotten. There was, it's such a strange thing. You just feel so forgotten sometimes. And I did, I reached out to a friend and said, and I shouldn't joke about this. It did happen. I said, maybe you can come get me or else I'm just going to put my head in the oven. I was kidding. Um, but I said, it, I'm very stressed out. And she just came and got me and we watched a movie and I went home. It was fine. And it actually made a big difference. So if you, you know, it's tough to sometimes be the friend of a divorced person, (laughs) because maybe some of us need a little bit more tending than, uh, than others. But it you, you know, you make a huge difference in someone's life, if you're, if you're willing to sort of jump in. I know when I was sort of having really tough times, I just felt like a burden on all my friends and family. So you don't want to be constantly like calling them and crying at them. And we've talked before on the podcast about having like a schedule of friends. So you call one friend to cry at and then the next night you call a different friend. So don't get it every night. But I think, yeah, people um, people do listen to the podcast because their friend is getting divorced and they wanted to know how to help them. And I think, yeah, just being there, just on the end of a phone, you know, just say, even just someone saying, call me anytime you need to, is really important, even if you don't call them. And actually, you know, something I found really helpful for me a little bit further on when I, it was when people asked me for advice about things and gave, and came to me with their stuff. It was a lovely distraction 
from my own nonsense. You know, so if a friend was having trouble and trusted me enough to say, oh, I'm coming over with a bottle of wine and we're going to sit on your porch and I need your help. I felt so trusted and so remembered, you know, that somebody remembered that I'm sitting in my house. It was, gosh, I am making myself sound like a, like a real blast to be friends with. <laughs> but <laughs> No, you just sound like a human being. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. No, I totally, that's such a good point, actually, that sometimes you just feel like a ball of grief. And if someone wants your opinion on something, it makes you feel like an, an like an adult again. You're like, oh yeah, some some of my opinions are valid yes. and aren't just crying at things. Yes, and it's give and take. It's it's you know, especially uh, some of my married friends. I remember when they were they would be going through relationship trouble, and I did have to stop constantly advising just get a divorce. Right? I mean, it was like I I wanted to get more people in my club with me. <laughs> And eventually I did have to say, or, you know, you could maybe talk it out, you know, whatever. But uh, it was nice. It was flattering to think that people wanted my opinion on something. Also, I think sometimes when you're getting a divorce, people come to you because they want you to say you should get a divorce. And that's why they come to you. Uh, sometimes I think so. I think especially now in the beginning, I was such a walking bruise. You know, it, it was such an open, visible wound with me that I think it was just people were, you know, really put off by it. But I think as I got happier and more comfortable in my life and more comfortable with who I was, then I think that that's when people started coming to me and asking me for divorce advice because maybe they were thinking of doing the same thing and maybe, uh, you know, wanting to know what that would look like and which is actually why I think this podcast is, is a great idea because it gives people a, a bit of a um, sometimes less tragic version of what can come out of it. Yeah and what I love is every single person I've interviewed has said that they're happier now. Oh yes oh my gosh I know myself really well now you know it's it's uh divorce does actually think it's t difficult but I think it does teach you how to like your own company a little bit more. It's, uh, it's, it's nice. And I don't think it's an experience uh, women always necessarily get to figure out how to sort of be in their own space and relaxed and, you know, not feel like they have to do for other people. It's, it's nice. Yeah, I totally agree that I've learned to be in my own company and be happy in my own company. And I think I would have said that I could have done that before and been fine. Like I could be on my own and it'd be fine when I was married. But then actually going through it, you really have to push against a wall of like panic of like, no, I need to be with someone else. Like what, like what, literally what am I going to do on my own? Like, I can't just sit. No, and actually one of my first times accessing that was because of course I was never alone. I was you know, from the time I like, truly, there were just people with me constantly, the kids and my husband. And there was this sort of rainy, crappy day not long before I left him. And uh, I just, I just couldn't be, <laughs> the kids were in the house, and he was angry about something or whatever. And I just had this weird sort of moment where I thought, well, I could actually just walk out this door and get in my car and go to a movie. And that's okay. I can do that. And I did. And I went to a movie alone, which I highly recommend. I went to see Chocolat with Juliette Binoche. 
And I sat on a rainy Sunday afternoon with some chocolate almonds. And it was, it was just, it was a real love affair moment for me with me. I really sort of learned that I could do that. And it, I think it might have helped me leave, to be honest, to see that I, oh, I can physically just walk out of this room, which is something not everybody knows, I guess. That's so interesting. Were there any other of those like self-care moments that once you'd separated that sort of helped you on the process of recovery? I think so. I think this is a really silly one, but it was the first one that came to mind. Um, The first time I went out to the grocery store on Valentine's Day, which I just, I, I actually forgot it was Valentine's Day initially, where I told myself I forgot who knows. And I just had to go out. The kids were gone. And my ex-husband had a, a lovely uh, new girlfriend who was who was pregnant, uh, which was, that was at the time, you know, it, it's hard, almost hard for me to access that now. But at the time, that broke my heart. Even though it was my choice to leave, you know, you don't just get to slice off the emotions like you said with that Katy Perry song you know you don't just get it doesn't get to be over all of the elements of it just because you want it to be so anyways I was out at this grocery store and I saw all of these people sort of madly running around and buying chocolates and and flowers and everything and I I wanted to sort of just go get back in my car and leave because I was embarrassed and I didn't and I thought I'm going to buy exactly what I want I'm not going to have any pretend groceries you know, when you throw in like a bag of spinach or something with your chocolate so that, you know, you look like a healthy person. I, I didn't, I was like, no, I'm going to buy a trashy historical romance. I'm going to buy a big bag of chips with some dip and some chocolate. And I think I bought a bottle of wine as well. And just had this sort of the makings of a lovely uh, Valentine's Day and my face was beet red the whole time I was doing it and I thought no it's okay I can do this I can I can openly take care of myself and be like this is very clearly the the makings of a single woman's evening and that's okay and that was another yeah it was a nice moment wow I have a lot of silly moments oh sorry no I like that did the cashier say anything I'm always scared about what the cashier is gonna say when you it was my birthday recently and and um and in the UK we were allowed to have people in our gardens. So I bought like loads of cakes and prosecco and you know things to have in the garden. And that was the only thing I'd bought because I'd had my groceries delivered. So I just needed like all the fancy stuff. And it was quite a lot of prosecco. You could have you and five people, but I'd got quite a lot of prosecco because I hadn't seen anyone for ages. And I was like, I can't remember how much people drink. I'm just going to get loads. And, um, and I thought, oh, were they going to say anything? <laughs> it's just this pile of alcohol and sweets. Um, but they didn't. And it was fine. And that was just for my birthday, but I was so, I had the social anxiety. Oh, I have to tell you, I would have, when you said that, I thought, well, 10 bottles of Prosecco seems about right, because that's two each, you know, who knows? Yeah. And you need leftovers. Whole afternoon. Yeah, exactly. Come on. And everybody's so happy to see each other. It's your birthday. But uh, no, no, I don't think the cashier said a word to me. Um, I think I was in line behind a man who had some ridiculous massive flower floral arrangement that was getting it all wrapped up and I think I sneered at him so they I think they saw me as this sort of sad divorcee 
which is which is fine. And actually, it's funny. I was thinking about um, about that the whole divorcee thing because you know it's such a pop culture thing too in movies that we're sort of portrayed as this sad group. And I think it's great to have these conversations where sure it was sad for a bit, but it's also been great to sort of meet yourself and, and figure out how to be how to really value your friendships too. Like I, I really thought about that during the pandemic that I value the women in my life so differently now that I don't have easy access to them anymore. You know, that I will desperately try and get together for a quick hike or something like that, where we're all six feet apart, but we just, we all sort of need each other. And I don't know that I would have felt like that if I'd been, if I'd stayed in an, in an unhappy marriage where, you know, things were different. It's so true about that kind of stereotype of the lonely divorced woman who still hung up on her ex and can't move on and wears baggy black clothes all the time. And it's actually great. And I've started wearing bright colours again. And I paint in my kitchen pink. And like my life's full of joy bursts now instead of, yeah, being trapped in something I didn't want to be. Joy bursts is a great word, you know, phrase, because it's, it's not all just joy, joy, joy. Every you know, every minute you're awake, yay me! It's but every once in a while you'll just get this moment of clarity. Even now I'll get it, where I think of how I get to choose all of my life, especially now that my kids are grown. Which, by the way, for any of your listeners who have kids, when they all move out, it's I just wrote a book about this. It's it's like a second divorce because you're alone again except you still really love the people you're divorcing. It's a very, very different thing. And nobody really talks about that whole emptiness thing. You know, it's like, oh yeah, emptiness syndrome. It is horrible, um, it, you know, when it happens. But I ended up taking off to Europe and living in Rome for a few months in France and Ireland for a bit. And just... I, I don't know. I had almost like a divorce celebration tour, which is really gross. Like it's, it's very eat, pray, love, but like, you know, it, <laughs> it, it really, but it's like this healing thing to realize like, Oh, I can pick what I want for breakfast. Pick what I want for lunch. Pick what I, if I feel like going for a walk, I will. I don't have to share. It's I went on holiday by myself after I got, well, after we separated, I wasn't officially divorced. And I was sort of really scared to do it. But I was like, no, I'm going to push myself, I'm going to do it. And it was great. Because yeah, you're totally in control. There's no compromise of like, well, I want to go to this sort of restaurant for dinner. Well, I want to do this today. You can just do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah it was brilliant. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. So in so this book that you've written, what's it called? It's called Nest. Uh, let it letting go from. Oh my god, I actually had to think about that. It's just called Nest. Yeah, Jed McGuire. It's uh, and it's just about that. I just um, it's about sort of again. I had another one of my uh, moments where I was just sort of standing in my empty kitchen, my empty bathroom, and just realizing that like everybody was gone. No one needed me for anything, which is great. It's like, oh, no one needs me for anything. But then it's also like, oh, my God, no one needs me for anything. And I I work from home. You know, as long as there's Wi-Fi, I can work. So I, I moved to a little studio in Rome for a few months and then to Avignon for another month. And I didn't speak a word of Italian. My Duolingo failed me. Absolutely. Uh, maybe I should have paid to upgrade and not just on the cheap one, but that's fine. And then I just, and then I went to, uh, Ireland for a bit and that's pretty far when you're from Canada and you haven't been anywhere past the grocery store, uh, for a long time, but it was, and it was scary. Um, and I did actually have, uh, my boyfriend, come visit for a few weeks, two weeks. And I remember at the time what you were saying about, you know, people coming on holiday with you and sort of picking your days that started immediately. As soon as he got there, it was unbelievable. I'd had like a month to sort of figure myself out and figure out, okay, like this is the pizza place I like. And, you know, I made a couple of local friends and we would go for hikes together. And then he arrived and suddenly it was all, it's, I, I kind of refer to it as like recalculating route. You know, it's like a GPS where you're, somebody else is always recalculating your route a little bit and you don't want to make a fuss, but it, it, it does. It like, it's just little micro changes to your day to the point where you don't really remember what you wanted anymore. And I think that happens for a lot of people. And, and, uh, you know, I believe I threw a fit uh, at the train station. So that was a, that was a good way to solve that. <laughs> perfect well because you you mentioned a boyfriend there and we haven't talked about dating after your separation yet because you were so young as you said like you had your first kid at 21 you were separated at 30 what did the dating landscape look like for you at that time I'm gonna let you imagine what a sex fiend people must have thought of you know, like what a sex pod, I should say, um, a single mother of four small children. I, I, they were banging down my door, just desperate to date me. It was, it, it was a barren wasteland for 10 years for me. But again, anybody listening that should not, <laughs> don't lose hope. I had four small children and I truly had no interest. I really didn't. For I, It was, it was, I had so many people who needed me that my best romantic relationships were rom-coms and they, and they, you know, they held up well, they were quite, quite helpful to me. So, uh, you know, and then after a few years, I think it was, yeah, about 10 years, 
know, six or seven maybe. Uh, I started dating a man who lived in a city a few hours away. And so I'd see him once every few weeks. That was perfectly fine. And I didn't really get serious about anybody until I'd been on my own for 12 years. Why do you think that was? Were you not not ready for anything or just not wanting to get into anything? Hmm. Well, I live in a small town and um, I didn't really know anybody I was, I don't know, I didn't know anybody I was terribly interested in dating maybe, but I also think I was just so goddamn afraid, to be honest. I think I just was terrified of the idea of me getting hurt again, of my kids getting hurt. I couldn't, I couldn't see past the way we were just as ourselves. And I just didn't try. I can really relate to that, actually, because I think I'm in a quite a scared stage now because I've talked before on the podcast about my sexual explosion, which was brilliant when I sort of went out and had lots of orgasms, which is <gasps> lovely. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, but now I've sort of got over that and I'm in a place where I could think about getting into a relationship again. But at the moment, I'm just too scared to, you know, I meet or I start talking to someone who's quite nice. And then all of a sudden, I'm just really scared. And I'm like, no, I'll just delete all the apps and come off it. Oh, absolutely. And I, I would get these little crushes on people, almost like I was a kid, you know, and I would, I remember I had like a, like a landlord that I was thinking, oh, you know, he's, he's going to be a lovely guy. And I would, ha I would sort of start putting together these situations. And then as soon as anything sort of came to the possibility of fruition, I would just sort of <laughs> turtle in on myself, you know, like I go into my shell and think, no, I'm okay. Yeah, definitely. You like, Im you imagine, I feel like I, I sort of, find someone who might be okay or or someone that I've met or I've you know or even you know someone I worked with and they come back into my life and then I plan out our whole lives together I'm like well they work there so we do this and then this yeah. will happen <laughs> and then it's almost like I've lived it anyway and then I just don't do anything in real life uh, that's that's so true it's like well I've already I've, I've already done the whole thing we've already been you know we've done everything we could possibly do even though we haven't really yeah. done anything and also I think there was a fear of I was just kind of figuring myself out and how to like the person who I was becoming and I was really genuinely afraid that I would start changing myself a little bit for someone else you know I that I would start um managing myself or policing my own sort of behavior to suit somebody and I could even see myself doing it in the uh in the apps although they weren't you know the apps weren't weren't as extensive as they are now of course but like online dating was was still pretty popular and I would I would find myself sort of conforming even subconsciously to like what I thought a man might want in me and I I just I didn't know how to not do that so I just didn't do anything yeah that's so I think that's a lot of people be able to relate to that so when you did finally get into a relationship was there something about it that made it feel different I I think so I think what happened was he I met somebody who seemed sort of 
hilariously wrong for me to the point where I was like, well, obviously I'm not going to take this seriously. This is just going to be a fling for the summer. It'll be fun. You know, the kids were getting a little bit older, so I had a bit more freedom. And I really did just look at him like that. I, you know, he lived in a beautiful little log cabin out in the, in the woods outside town. And, you know, I go out there, we'd have like dinners and bonfires and it was just sort of the two of us and, you know, loads of, of great sex. Did not, did not hate that. <laughs> right. And it was great. And I just, I think because I went into it thinking, well, this is clearly never going to be serious that I just let him in in a different way like I just all of a sudden about four or five months in I thought you know what I think I might love him and he was very quick and and told me he loved me like very early on and I I think I even responded like well that's cute you know that's that's nice and I just he I I just thought he was just being you know I don't know why I think people are just being polite when they say when they say they love you, but you know, I, and I just still didn't take it seriously. And he did give me the space to kind of let me decide how I wanted things to go. And he just, and he never ever has once tried to sort of, for lack of a better phrase, kind of dim my light, you know, like he's where it's complicated. Everything's complicated, but you know, it was it was time, I guess, too. You know, the kids were getting older, and I had a little bit more space. Yeah, that, well, that sounds lovely. It's not bad, and I think I think it's okay for everyone to say this is what I would like in a relationship. I don't, for instance, for me, I like a lot of my own space. I like living on my own. Um, you know, I I I'm kind of a fan of compartmentalizing things. I like having my time with my kids and my time with the person in my life and keeping that kind of separate. And that's okay. You're, you know, there's this idea that you're, you all sort of, everybody needs to work towards either marriage or living together or kids. It's, it's so antiquated and boring. So you're still together, but you live separately. Yes. So how long have you been together? Well, on and off, very on, very off. Uh, for six years. I like that living separately. I think it's Helena Bonham Carter and Tim Burton that had separate houses, apparently. Exactly, exactly. And who doesn't want to, you know, follow in Helena Bonham, well, Bonham Carter's exactly. footsteps? I love her. Um, if anyone is going through a difficult divorce time right now, and, you know, maybe they've related a lot to what you've been talking about, is there any advice that you would give them now looking back? Yeah, um, I think it's okay to truly just reach out to people and ask for the, the boring things, ask for help, of course, ask for help, but it doesn't have to be, it, you can really just reach out and ask for the mundane things, a little takeaway Chinese and hanging out with people. And, and you know, and it's okay to feel like you just wanna hang out in your own house and do nothing. Um, I think that's very healing. I, I think I sort of rebelled against that in the beginning. I thought I had to be sort of moving forward. And every time I was in my house alone for too long, I felt like I was stagnant and that wasn't true. I actually was developing a relationship with myself that I have carried on all this time. And it was it was really, really healthy. So spend spend a lot of time with yourself and make it 
make it a huge priority. Even, even if you have kids, I, I know that for a lot of people, um, when you're going through a divorce, when you have kids, it's all about them. It's all about keeping things as healthy as you can for them as it should be. But it's also about you. You know, it's the, I, I think moms especially tend to put themselves, you know, well, as long as we're making everything as good as we possibly can for the kids, then, you know, we don't have to worry about ourselves as much. And obviously that's not true. Um, it's okay to say, I just want to lay on the couch tonight and watch a bunch of movies and do nothing and be with myself. It's okay. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I don't have children, but I know when I interview a lot of people who do, there's a strong focus on, on their children, which is obviously really important. And you want the kids to be okay and happy and healthy, but also, you know, we're going through something intense and, and very different and we need to look after ourselves as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, um, my kids, I guess because they're grown and because I sort of know how that, how it turned out because my oldest child is 27. Um, so I know how we turned out. I know that, you know, we were this sort of little, you know, like a little fist of a family, the five of us together. And we were, we were a team, but I think it's really important when you're raising your kids for them to have empathy for you too. And it's okay to get a little upset in front of your kids, not to bash your ex-husband or anything like that. Like that's not, obviously that's not healthy, but to feel a little sad and to say to your kids, you know, I'm feeling kind of sad today. Um, it's It has always amazed me how much your kids want to help you and how much they want to forgive you if you screwed up. It's, it's one of the most beautiful things in life, I think, is that your kids actually really want to be like in a partnership with you. They want to help you too. And so it's okay for you to be sad and tell your kids, I'm just feeling a bit sad today and ask for a little help. It's all right. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. This has been great. Where can people find out more about you and your book? Oh, okay. So you can... I'm not fantastic at social media. I promise to try and be better, but you can find me at jenmcguire.102 on uh, Instagram and Twitter. It's just jenmcguire. And um, that's about it, I guess. Oh, and oh, I'm sorry. And of course I, I write for the website Romper. Uh, I write essays for them and for good housekeeping as well. So you can just Google Jen McGuire and hopefully I'll pop up and I'd uh, love to hear from anybody. So my book is called Nest, Letting Go from Italy, France and Ireland. And um, I would love for anybody to, to uh, pick it up and would love to have some discussions. Yeah, sounds great. Definitely check it out. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, It would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, But also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one, or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com, and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month. And it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90s-style divorce and heartbreak chat room. And there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast, and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines. And please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.